On this episode of the AC Sports Report, we have Damon Bradley, not a coach, not a player, but a father of two student athletes. This is Connor Newcomb from the Locked On Orioles podcast. For athletes of all types, both on and off the field, the Sports Medicine Institute at LifeBridge Health is a game changer. Led by board-certified physicians using state-of-the-art equipment, the Sports Medicine Institute at LifeBridge Health will have you back to what you love. To learn more, go to www.lifebridgehealth.org slash sportsmedicine or call 410-870-7940. If you've been looking for someone that talks about youth sports in the DMV, from basketball to football, volleyball, soccer, lacrosse, baseball, and softball, you've found it. We are the authority. This is the AC Sports Report. There's a thriving community of youth sports in the DMV, and we cover it all. From interviews to game reports to player scouting, public and private schools, and we even cover the college recruiting process. This is the AC Sports Report, and here's your host, John Miller. Mr. Bradley. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. A little tricky place to find. It is, but uh, this is a nice place. It's swanky. I like it. Swanky? Yeah. That's a word I don't hear all the time. This is, this is nice. It's industrial, but it's kind of yeah. newish. I like it. I like it. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you came. Thank you again for having us. I know we've been trying to do this through a couple of broadcasts. You've uh, asked us to come, so glad I could do it. Good way to spend a Saturday afternoon during Christmas time. And you have a game you're going to go to this evening, so that's Correct. even more special for Correct. me. Correct. Daughter. And child number two has a basketball game playing with Concordia, who I just saw uh, was ranked number 11. In the, I don't know if it's the state of the area or what it was, but they're ranked number 11. They have a pretty good season thus far, heading into conference, and uh, it's been enjoyable to watch. It's always good to see them win. So let's establish a little bit about who you are. Okay. Um, I'm guessing you probably played some sports when you were younger, too. I did. In high school, I played three sports. I uh, played football. was my main sport, basketball, because all the guys in my neighborhood played. So I played, and wasn't bad, but it wasn't. I played forward at 6'3", and probably wouldn't have played any higher than Division two or three if I had to continue to play. And I didn't handle the ball well enough to be a guard or shoot well enough, so uh, – Basketball was just a sport I played because everybody else played, and um, I enjoyed it. And then I ran track, which was my second main sport, and ran hurdles uh, after my freshman year. And ran both the 110s and the 300s, and then I ran uh, – I did I did the relays, did both relays, and occasionally I would, I would jump. But after my freshman year, I didn't jump anymore. Your freshman year in high school? My freshman year in high school. And I did actually run track in college, but uh, one thing I will tell you is – if you are going on football scholarship or basketball scholarship or track scholarship, whoever has paying that bill owns your owns you, and I hate to use the word owns, but they they pay the bill. So, uh, being a hurdler, it's a lot of technique, and you know, coming from football practice to technique, I, I really needed more time. So after my sophomore year, I decided I'm not going to run track. Plus, they weren't giving me any money, so I didn't see the financial benefit of of running track other than just for the enjoyment. But I didn't enjoy it that much to come from football practice to track practice all throughout the spring. And uh, and I needed the time for technique and training, and I just decided I'm here for football, so I'm going to play football. Now, if I'd have been a sprinter or a jumper, I probably could have done it. Interesting. Yeah, so I did that. And in college, I just played football. Went to a school called Furman University, which is uh, Division 
I'm tell my age now, Division One AA school, which is now called an FCS school. So if you happen to see a game last night on with North Dakota State and University Incarnate Word, that is the level that I played on. Hey, it's college so athletics. Mor- so Morgan State, MEAC school. Morgan State is a one AA FCS school, and that's the kind of level that I played on. And we had Coach King from Concordia Prep in here the other day. FBS uh-huh. would be the kind of Division One A school. Correct. Old parlance would be 1A. Now it's FBS. So you're talking about Maryland as a FBS school. Uh, let's see who else is an FBS school. That would be close. Penn State is an FBS school. University of Virginia is an FBS school. Uh, Pitt is an FBS school. Maryland. So Maryland is an FBS. I, said th- I think I said those first, them first. Right, so right, right. Big Ten, ACC, those are what you would call uh, Power 5 school. Uh, SEC, Power 5, Pac-10, Big 12, all Power 5. And then anybody else that's Division 1 would be in what is called a group of five. So you have James Madison, and it's a group of five school, and they are in the Sun Belt Conference. And then you have, I guess the only close, other closest school to us would probably be uh, maybe Old Dominion, and they just went up. James Madison just went up from FCS to FBS, and they are a group of five. Now, from what you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and your experience is, is – interesting here because as a college athlete and the parent of a college athlete right. having all this information mm-hmm. is quite useful it is as a scholarship college athlete mm-hmm. that sport kind of dictates a lot of what you do correct so i think a better word would be they dictate a lot of what your free time is a lot of what your life is and uh, I will share my experience, which is completely different from the experience of my son, who is child number one, who is a college athlete, because he's playing on a higher level than I played on. And I was at a school that had a little different scheduling system. So we were on what they call terms versus what so people use now with semesters. So we had a, a winter term. We had a fall term, a winter term, and a spring term. So it was three months, two months, three months. We started after everybody else. We got out after everybody else. So trying to find a job in the summer was a little different, difficult for us. So uh, what happens is, is that we went to school, went to class every single day. And because we went to class every single day, it's very hard to miss class. And for, for us, the school was kind of, they will refer to themselves as an Ivy League school of the South, uh, very rigorous academic school, which I was fortunate to go to. And I guess when you start looking at these kind of things, you know, everybody says that they're there for, athletics but really you're a student first and so we were treated as such and so I went to what's called Furman University and because we played on the division one double a level we played teams like VMI uh, William and Mary would have been a team that we would have played and did play while I was there and then our conference was uh, East Tennessee State University App State Western Carolina um, who else was in there University of Tennessee Chattanooga Georgia Southern uh, the Citadel Elon at one point in time. So these are all schools down in South Carolina. So that's kind of the level that I played on. And my major was biology. And so the reason I'm telling you this is because at the school that I went to, I could do that. Today's athlete may or may not be able to do that. And what you find is guys are majoring in getting out. <laughs> so that could be any of a number of majors that don't typically include labs and don't typically include them missing a lot of practice time. So we practice just like it was just like high school. Go to class, go to meetings, go to lunch, go to meetings, go to practice. Whereas my son on the power five level 
practices in the morning. So they check in at about 6.45. They have breakfast at the facility. They go to meetings, which would include a team meeting every morning. Then it would be a unit meeting, which means offense or defense. Then it would be a position meeting, which was whatever position they played. And they have special teams. Then they're on the practice field by about 9, 9.30. They finish practice about 11, 11.15-ish. Then they have lunch at the facility. And then they typically do classes in the afternoon. So starting at 12-ish after lunch till whenever you have class. And they, you know, it's a traditional uh, semester system where they may have a class on Monday, Tuesday or Monday, Wednesday, and they may have a Tuesday, Thursday class, and they might have a Monday, Wednesday class or just a Monday class. I never had that. I went to the same three classes every single day. So it's a little different. And so they, they dictate a lot of your schedule. And so on a Friday, Friday, Thursday after practice, they go back to their dorm rooms. And then on Friday, they have a meeting, then they have a walkthrough, then they go to a hotel. And they're in a the hotel midday Friday, if they're not traveling, until game time on Saturday. We never did that. We went back to our dorm rooms. We stayed there. We had a meal after walkthrough, which was in the afternoon for us on Friday. And then we would, unless we were traveling, then we would go back to our dorm rooms or we live in an apartment, back to our apartment. So it was a little smaller, a little different. Things have changed. And what you see now with athletics is that facilities are, they're grand. I mean, they have everything. Like I said, my son, he doesn't ever leave the facility. And it was different. He was at Pitt, and he's uh, in the transfer portal now. So uh, the, the difference that you see with him in, in, at Pitt is the fact that all the facilities are off campus. So campus is, like, up on the hill, and then they're down, and they call it the North Shore or South Shore, where the practice facilities are. are. And everything is done over there. And then they go back, and they, have, they stay in apartment-style dorms. Uh, and then they go to class, which is up the hill from his dorm. And that is his day. That's his life. That's his world. Then they go to summer school. We had, when I was in school, I had to beg to go to summer school. Didn't really want to go, but had to beg if I did want to go and ended up going two years. They go every year. So that's how you can see these guys coming in with credits, which is something that, you know, we could talk about at another time. But they come in with credits. And, and the girls, too, they come in with credits. They go to summer school. They come in early. They take AP courses or they take college courses for dual credit. And then when they get into uh, school, they're ahead. And then they go to summer school, which puts them further ahead so they can take a little less during the season. So we didn't have that luxury and opportunity. It was very rare that you saw somebody come in earlier when I went to school. I think one of the first persons that I ever heard do it, or first people that I ever heard do it, was Eric Zier, who had been playing football in Germany. His dad was in the Army. He came back. He, he went to Marriott, I think, was the high school he went to, graduated early, and started school in December. And we had, people had never heard of that before. It was like, this guy's got to be smart. He wasn't smart. He just was ahead because he had gone to school early. And, and, you know, things have changed tremendously since I played in the late 80s, early 90s. And what you see and what they're exposed to and what they do. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. We went to last two years ago, we went down to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech Stadium is unique in that it's in the city and it's, there's city blocks around it. And when we came out of the game and, and you go in and the entrance is a, a catty corner to the corner. So whatever, say it's, it's first and A Street. It's catty corner. You come out and when we came out, there were state troopers there, there were city police there, and there's six buses lined up. So they finished the game. They came on Friday, practice, hotel, game, come out of the game, see us for 30, 40 minutes or whatever, and we stand there on the bus, back on the airplane, back to Pittsburgh. 
They, in fact, beat us back to Pittsburgh before we got back to our friend's house in Atlanta. And that's their life. And, and it's different and it's unique. Now, you know, I will tell you this as a parent, you don't see them. There's 168 hours in a week. You see them maybe 8 to 12, if of that. So a lot of their time, a lot of their life is consumed with whatever that athletic sport is. And it, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It's, it's that way. And if it's a non-revenue sport, then they spend time on buses. So they spend time on planes or vans or what have you. Football's lucky in the fact that they spend a lot of money because they got to get there and get out. So uh, that's, that's the difference between what I did and what, what you saw, uh, what you see now for these athletes. So both your, both your, your son went to high school, obviously, uh-huh. and you say your daughter's still in high school. Correct. Did their high school experience prepare them for this at all, do you think? Or I, I, would say, I would say to an extent for my son, yes. And my daughter has experienced some things, but she plays uh, volleyball as her main sport, and then she plays basketball. So she has seen a lot with travel volleyball, which is, you know, typically runs after and oh, it overlaps basketball season. It runs after high school volleyball season. So she's been able to travel. Now, she's also been able to see a lot of what her brother's gone through because we go to games every weekend or, we, you know, we followed him through travel basketball. So she's been able to experience that. So I would say that, yes, his high school prepared him. They, they play a national game, the high school he went to every year. So his junior year, we flew out to California, and they played a team out there. And then the year before he got there, they went down to Florida. And then had COVID not been an issue, we were supposed to go to Ohio and play a team, but we did play Ohio team his junior year. So they play a national schedule along with their conference schedule. So I think that prepared him as far as travel, the demands. You know, high school's a little different, but he kind of knew what to expect, and uh, he had been exposed to it. And I think anybody from seventh, eighth, ninth grade uh, going forward, if the key word, no matter what your sport is, to be exposed. And parents have to – uh, kind of understand that that there's you, you're gonna there's one or two places that you're gonna pay. You're either gonna pay now or you're gonna pay later. So if you can afford it, it's in your budget. You need to either have them in the right travel program, the right school, so they get exposed to this. And then also it teaches them how to manage their time, manage the rigors of the sport that they're in, the things that they need to understand that. It's all-consuming once you get to the next level. And, and it doesn't ever get any easier from the standpoint of your time management or how much time you put into a game or your sport or the off-season. And having that exposure earlier, that means if you're paying now, the chances are you're hoping that you won't have to pay later. But if you don't and they are fortunate enough to go for it, you're going to pay then. And, you know, I, I think that you have to balance – with your comfort level, when you want to do make that payment. So, did your parents pay college or high school athletics? No, I went to a public school. Okay. Uh, so, did they have information about what was currently when you were in college? Right. What was going on? Did Did they have some insight? Did they have some exposure? Were you exposed to college athletics before you went into college athletics? So, in the sense that when I played, um, it's different now. So now, you what you find is that. So, I will use my son for example. They have these one-day camps. You know, coaches used to be able to come off of campus, and they used to go to these camps, or multi-day camps where you would go, or you would take your team to a camp and call it a team camp for basketball or football. So I had exposure from the standpoint of 
I went to a camp that was called a PD quarterback school. So it was, and it was different in its time because what you would do is you would go in for two days, then you go home and work on whatever you went through, and then you come back maybe two, three weeks later, and you'd be there for three days, and you go home and you work on that, and you come back and work two days. You know, most camps were you'd be gone anywhere from two to five days and you'd be at the camp and the coaches would come in. And so each time that you went, there was a different skill or uh, things that you worked on and college coaches would come. So that's how I was exposed to Furman. Um, Furman's coaches came in. We ran the Veer offense. They were showing us Veer techniques, and, and we ran kind of some Veer in my high school, which is an offense. And so I was exposed to it that way. Now you go to these one-day camps. That's where you see a lot of guys getting an offer because they can see them. You come to the coaches, and they run these camps, which are called elite camps, and they have them for basketball, and they have them for volleyball, and they have them for football. They didn't do that in my day. You kind of went to, so let's say Maryland was having a camp. You sent your kid to camp. They'd be there for three, four, five days, and, you know, either team or individual, and then that that's how it happened. So, you know, things have changed a lot. It's a digital age, so now a college coach could get up in the morning. You send him your film. He can see – 25, 30, 40 films, two 20, 30-second clips at a time. They had to work hard back in the day. So the answer to your question is my parents know, didn't know, and I think I did a lot of those things on my own because my buddies were going to camp, so I figured I needed to go to camp. High school coaches were different in the fact then because they were like, Damon, you need to go to this camp. So I went to that camp, or we're going to be running this offense, so the team's going to this camp, and I went. Now you, you have the proliferation of, AAU basketball, for lack of a better term, just call it travel. Travel baseball, travel soccer, travel lacrosse, travel volleyball, travel football where they play 707 leagues. So these guys are being constantly exposed. And plus, we went from sport to sport to sport when I played. All my buddies, we went from football to basketball, some went to baseball, some went to track, some played soccer because where I grew up, soccer was in the spring for boys. So we just went from sport to sport to sport. Now a guy or girl will go from in season, to out of season and so it's the same sport that they're playing and so they go from in season like school and then they go trained and they go out of season which will be the travel so they get exposed that way too so it's easier a college coach for basketball volleyball can go to one tournament and see a thousand girls for volleyball could see four or five hundred guys that they got an eye on and get a feel you know you were limited to your regional area or your if you were that good national exposure when you went to um these camps for at that point would be, be Clemson or University of South Carolina for me or this PD quarterback school that I went to. So my parents didn't know that, you know, they came to high school in the sixties and uh, they did the best with the information they had. I would always come back and say, Hey, we got this camp. My dad would say, how much is it? Okay. You can go. And now it's triple what those camps were. It's a little different. now. <laughs> it's a little different now. And so you, you spend a little bit more money. Again, I say you pay now or you pay later. And, and you've got to do it because this is where the people who have the eyes and the, the ability to give your child that opportunity, that's where they're going to be. So you've got to put your child in that spot or in that space. And your child obviously has to have talent. They have to have intangible talent. They have to have tangible talent. And, you know, the intangible things. Are they a good person? Do they have good character? Do they do good grades? Are they a good student? The tangible things are, can they shoot when somebody gets in their face? Can they make this this pass or bump or set if they play volleyball? Can they catch the ball if they play, you know, receiver? When did football? you think you had that talent to play in college? I, I, I didn't know. And um, I think when I 
kind of figured out I had that talent was when my coach said, oh, you got some mail. And I started seeing the letters come through. I mean, I was we were in a paper age at that point. So uh, when I started seeing the letters in the mail come through, I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I can play. Now, mind you, we were 6-5 and five my junior season, which was the first year I really started at quarterback. And then my senior season, we were 2-9. and nine. So I was lucky to get a scholarship. But again, the exposure was at the camp, not during the season. Even though they were there during the season, they want to see how you play in the film. And I, I guess I was able to put some good things on camera, on tape, as they say, so that I, I did have an opportunity. So I probably knew when I first started getting letters, maybe the end of my sophomore year, that, hey, I possibly could go. And then I took a couple of, you know, early student trips and, and went to – I know I remember going to a game at – Clemson when I was a recruit and going to a game at USC and going to a game at Wake Forest and uh, I, you know those kind of things let you know okay I possibly could play the next level I didn't know which level I didn't know if I was going to be one division one or division one double a or division two or three I knew I probably was a little better than three but I didn't know between one and two where I was going to play I just wanted an opportunity how about your kids how did when did your son know and does your daughter think she is so my son probably knew because he had traveled with basketball, which he stopped playing his sophomore year in high school. He'd been traveling since he was probably 9 or 10 with basketball, and, and I coached him for a long time in basketball. And I think the expectations were different for us as parents, my wife, Tricia, and, and, and myself. Um, the expectation was that you were going to go to school, whether we pay for it or – uh, you got an athletic scholarship, but he had talent, and I think as a as a father, um, it, rightly or wrongly, it's always been. I'm not going to tell him how good he is. I want him to continue to work, and you know, a lot of other people saw talent in him. So I would probably say, maybe his ninth grade year, tenth grade year, he started seeing that, and then he switched positions in football. He was a quarterback all up until his tenth uh, grade year, and going into his junior year in the spring. And so we had trainers or had a trainer. and He'd worked out with several people. And then people started saying, hey, he's pretty good. And, and it was amazing to see the development for him because I said he was, a co as they call him, a COVID baby. So he didn't have a senior season until the spring. But to see the development from him working out uh, his junior year to his senior year and just see how much better he was at receiver then. He's probably way better than I was at receiver at that age. Um, and then seeing my daughter who's developed because she's played a lot of travel basketball. So she, once again, seeing her brother go through the process and the travel and then also seeing other girls that she's played with. And, and what happens is, uh, especially with volleyball, you see it, is that higher you go, faster the game gets. The quicker the ball comes. The, the lateral movement and the, the movement for the players got to be better. You see girls that were good when they were 10 or 11 start falling off because they have the skill, they don't have the speed. Or they don't hit the ball well enough even though they have the speed. And so she's been fortunate enough to continue to play at the top level for her club. And um, she's seeing it. She, we, you know, we did a, I think we did a, a job because they've also seen two of their cousins play Division One basketball at Syracuse, uh, both cousins that grew up one in Pennsylvania one here in Baltimore played that level we did a I think we did a good job of exposing to, exposing them to that by taking them to games and he's been to football games and she's been to volleyball matches and basketball games because 
we like sports as parents, and so we wanted them to see it, and they would go. And, you know, when we lived in North Carolina, we went to several UNC games. And when the Syracuse games, when Syracuse came down, and then we drove up to Syracuse one year to see her play, and we went to the Final Four the year Syracuse went to the Final Four. So they've both seen that, and they've both been exposed to that. And I think that's how they developed the love of, okay, if I do the work, I can get to this level like my cousins. All right, so your son's playing football. He like is. Like dad. Your daughter's playing volleyball and basketball, but I think Correct. you said she's probably a little more advanced, a little more committed to volleyball. She is. She is. Uh, well, the resources have been a little yeah. bit more committed to volleyball. Got it, got Therefore, she plays volleyball better. She's not a bad basketball player, but her thing is – she doesn't like to really shoot. She's uh, I don't know if she's nervous to uh, shoot. Okay. But she's not a, she's not she well, if I was talking about my son and you were talking to him, there's never been a shot that he didn't like. Her on the other hand, she's very selective about her shots and she doesn't shoot much. She just gotten aggressive in the last two games or so. And when she gets in, just using the most of her, her time and minutes in the game. So uh, her her main sport is volleyball. I think she wants to go to school to play volleyball. She's narrowed her schools down, and she's got one in particular that she likes, and so she's hoping that it, everything works out and the stars align that she will be able to get there. Volleyball is a little different as far as the recruiting process is concerned. It's kind of like soccer, uh, lacrosse, field hockey, that a lot of the recruiting is done when you start – seeing them at these tournaments in the travel season, whereas football is at school where they play. Basketball is kind of a combination of both. Those sports that – those other sports that I mentioned, it's, it's definitely a situation where they're playing their travel team, and that's when coaches are seeing them. So she's volleyball, and hopefully things will work out. We've been to a couple of camps where school she likes and one in particular, and so hopefully that works out for her. So that's her main sport. Damon Bradley, you are a wealth of information. I yep. could talk to you all day. Oh, I know, right? You, you, alluded, to this, you alluded to this <laughs> earlier. You mentioned that one of the best things a, a parent or a, a younger student can do is kind of exposure right. to get out there and be seen. Um, I don't want to ask for two pieces of information, but right. I usually end with, is, is there something? If you could speak to uh, Damon Bradley, the parent of an eighth grader, back, back when your son was in eighth grade or when your daughter was in eighth grade, if there was one piece of information that someone – uh, told you that you think could it help you know make your journey just a little less bumpy um, to this point I know one of those things is exposure and if that's the one um, important one please stick with that one right. but what what is that advice so I would I would say that your child will tell you through action and inaction how they feel about the sport and I think that is one of the things I would, two of the things I would tell you. The first thing is, is that first and foremost, this is their journey. And if you see talent, nurture it. If you see skill, nurture it, whatever that sport is. But the child will tell you. And if the child decides or your child says, nah, I don't want to play anymore, it's perfectly okay. There's a lot of other things that they can be interested in. So I would say don't force it. Let, let it happen organically. And, you know, I, I alluded to this earlier. My son put in a lot of work. At one point, I had to force him to go. <laughs> Hence, he's not playing quarterback. But I've never had to force him to go work out as a receiver. He, he thinks he's great. He believes in his mind he's great. And that's what he does. He goes and he works out. And he, he's proven and shown a lot, of, uh, a lot of skill and a lot of improvement and development. So I would say – let it happen organically. 
And I would also say along that lines, let them play multiple sports growing up. Both of mine started in soccer. And, you know, my thing was soccer, basketball, for both of them would probably be the way to go because if they decided they want to continue, there's ample opportunities around the world where they can continue to do that if that's route they want to go. Not so much in basketball and football. Hence, now he's migrated to football. <laughs> so you only have a few a few slots. So I would say nurture it and, and support them and let them kind of lead you, but always, you know, be there to push them. And then obviously the second thing is the exposure. Expose them to a lot. And then once they decide and you go down a path, make sure you're doing everything so they are exposed to the good, the bad, the not so good and bad. Because it's all there. And, you know, you have to decide and they have to decide by being exposed. You can't make any decisions if you don't do it or you never go to a tournament. Or you, you know, I remember the first time we went to a big tournament, national tournament. I'd never been there and I was coaching the team. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a whirlwind, and you see all these teams, and you got to keep up with the schedule, and the schedule's changing, and you got to know where you're supposed to be. There are multiple gyms, multiple fields if it's a sport like that, and so being exposed to that. So the next time you go, you may not do any better on the, in the, on the score sheet, but you know what to expect. So it's not a, a flash, or the first time you go on a recruiting visit, or the first time you go to try out for a travel team, you know what to expect. Everything gets better with exposure. And so expose them now so that they know. And then they can make an informed decision as to what they want to do with their skill development or if their skills in general and how they want to go. So those are the two things I would say. That's good advice. Yeah. I usually end with that, but i got to ask you one more question. Okay. Since you talked about soccer, uh-huh. we're recording this on Saturday, the day before the World Cup. Yeah. Who's do, my do, team? Do, do you have Do you have a, a dog in this fight, Argentina or France? Neither one. My dog in the fight this year obviously was USA. And then since we, you know, we get to the – Round of 16 or a knockout stage, and then we don't do anything. Uh, I think my other team was was um, Ghana was in there, so I was cheering for Ghana. And then my son has jumped on France because he started talking to Mbappe so I, about Mbappe. So I was watching Mbappe the last week, and this dude is amazing. So it's going to be a good game. I think that it might be Messi's time. Come on, I need a prediction. I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-1 France. All right, you heard it here. <laughs> Damon Bradley, thanks for being here. All right, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. You've been listening to the AC Sports Report. As you know, there's a massive scene of youth sports in the DMV, and it's our passion to cover it all. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.alstoncarlisle.com. Till next time, this has been the AC Sports Report.